0: December we're kind of looking at some of the names of God as we as we move towards uh, Christmas Sunday itself but all the Sundays of December we're uh, we're looking at this and so I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 3 and we're going to look at verse 14 and I got to give you a little background to this a little context if if you remember Moses who was born as a a slave in Egypt, okay, his parents were slaves. He was born and should have been killed uh, by edict of the Pharaoh uh, who ordered that all of the Hebrew children or that were male would be killed. And so his parents hid him as long as they could, and then finally had to just take a wild leap of faith. And they put him in a, in a little basket down at the river and, and in the reeds and just trust God for what would happen. Moses' sister was kind of hiding and watching. Anyways, uh, anybody know who Moses' sister's name, what her name is? Anybody? Just, you get extra credit if you... Okay, It's Miriam, right? Okay, his, his sister's Miriam. She was watching to see what would happen. And of all things, Pharaoh's daughter... Comes down to the river. While she's there, she spies this little basket, and when she opens it, there is Moses, and he cries, and her heart is is uh, full of compassion, and so his life is spared, and uh, he is raised in the palace of Pharaoh for forty years. Forty years old, he, no doubt, through the influence of his mother and father and sister probably those 40 years told him you know Moses God has his hand on you he spared your life in a miraculous way God is going to use you and so Moses was out one day and and uh, saw a Egyptian abusing uh, another Hebrew uh, slave Moses thought well here's the moment I'm going to save you know our people and and he slays the Egyptian well news of this gets out and Pharaoh ordered uh, Moses' life to be taken. And so he escapes into the wilderness of Midian. And for, again, 40 years, he is a shepherd to his father's sheep. Uh, father-in-law's sheep, I should say. Again, you get double extra credit if you know his father-in-law's name. Anybody know Moses' father-in-law by name? Jethro. His name is Jethro. You thought that was a Beverly Hillbillies, didn't you? <laughs> It was Jethro. He was keeping his sheep and he is herding them out in the wilderness of Midian. Been doing this for 40 years so there's probably not much that uh, Moses hasn't already seen but to this day he sees something he has never seen before and that is a bush that is on fire but it is not consumed. And so he thinks I'm going to go investigate this so he makes his way over to this bush that is burning with fire but the bush is not consumed as he approaches a voice out of the bush says Moses take off your shoes for the ground that you're standing on is holy and so he does and and there Moses has this conversation with God this this theophany of of uh, the presence of God burning like fire and and out of that fire would speak to Moses he said Moses I'm selecting you to go be the deliverer of my, pe- of my children, Israel, in Egypt. And I want you to go. And of course, there's this discussion. Moses didn't want to. He wanted somebody else to do it. And, you know, it's just like church, right? Uh, <laughs> he says, God, send somebody else. I, I'm, not, I'm not good enough for that. And so finally, God says, Moses, you're going to do this. So stop arguing with me, basically. <laughs> Moses says, you know, one last objection He says, well, who shall I tell them has sent me? And that leads us to our verse. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 14. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. What a curious response from God. God. I am has sent me to you. Up to this point in time, God had been slowly revealing himself to individuals. And as you open the pages of Genesis, every once in a while you see God in an encounter with a human being and revealed himself in, in some particular Manner. You might remember the story of Abraham, whose son Isaac was his only son. And God spoke to Abraham and said, Abraham, do you love me? Yes, I do. Do you trust me? Yes, I do. Well, then I want you to take your son, your only son Isaac, and take him to a place that I will show you. And there I want you to sacrifice your only son on an altar. Abraham does not hesitate. Next morning, he and Isaac take up their belongings and they head out. And God leads them to Moriah. On the way up to Moriah, Isaac asks his father. He says, Father, if we're going to sacrifice, we have the wood, but we don't have the sacrifice. And Abraham says, the Lord will provide Anybody ever hear the name Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides? We know the story is that Abraham, in obedience to the word of the Lord, lays his son Isaac on the altar as the sacrificial lamb, and raises his hand to take his life. And the angel of the Lord stops him and says that Abraham, you have passed the test. You have not even withheld your only son from me. And there in the thicket was a ram which they caught and it took Isaac's place on the altar as a vicarious sacrifice, very prefiguring uh, the atonement of Christ in our place. And, uh, and that, in that moment, uh, God revealed himself to Abraham as the God who provides. You might remember the story of Hagar, the maid of Sarah, who's the wife of Abraham, she had a son, Ishmael. She was thrown out of the house into the wilderness. She was on her own and uh, must have felt incredibly alone and without hope. And they journey into the the wilderness and uh, there uh, Ishmael is dying. Hagar did not want to see her son die, so she moves off a little distance and uh, God finds her, and says, "Hagar, do not be afraid." They have a conversation. God reveals to Hagar where a spring of water is. She takes of uh, the water. She gives it to Ishmael. He revives. She herself is revived, and she calls out the name of God. You are the God who sees me. Have you ever felt totally alone? I can remember one time, in, uh, I was on a mission trip in uh, Mexico City. Largest city in the world. I don't know if you thought it was Tokyo or Moscow or whatever. Largest city in the world, Mexico City. At the time I was there, I have no idea what it is today. But uh, it was 33 million people. And somehow that works, I don't know. So here I was in the most populous city on the planet, Mexico City. And I am walking on the street by myself. I got up early that morning, and I think we were leaving that day. And I thought, I just want to, I just want to take a stroll down the street here. I am head and shoulders above everybody. Um, there's a sea of black hair all around me, and I have never felt more alone in my life. <laughs> think of the irony of that in the most populated place on earth, and feeling incredibly. Alone. Have you ever felt similar to that? In some way, maybe you're a with people or you're in a situation where there's lots going on and yet you feel entirely alone. That must have been Hagar there in the wilderness. And she turns and she says, you are the God who sees me. That's powerful. You cannot go anywhere where God does not see you. I think for parents that uh, sometimes we despair our kids are gone or they're not doing well, just know this, is that we serve the God who sees. He knows where they are. He hasn't lost track of them. And even though sometimes we may not know where they are, we've all had prodigals, you know, we wonder, we worry. But he's the God who sees. To Joseph, he was, the Lord is my shepherd. To the children of Israel, God said, I am the God who heals you. To Moses, he was, the Lord is my banner, which is speaking of victory in in battle, in warfare. The Lord is my banner. And to Gideon, he was Jehovah Shalom, God is my peace. The name I am that we opened with out of Exodus chapter 3 is how God revealed himself to Moses at the burning bush. It is a name that is amazing to contemplate. It has infinite depth of things that we can understand and learn from it. You know, names are interesting. You know, you have a given name. No, whatever it is. Maybe you like it, maybe you don't. Some people don't like their given name, and they go by another name. Maybe they go by their middle name, or they go for by another name altogether, and uh, you know, to their liking. And that's one way that we are known. If, you know, maybe if your name is Donald, that's the way you might introduce yourself to someone new. Hello, my name is Donald. But your friends probably call you what? Don, right. Shorten it a little bit. Why? Because we're friends. We don't have to be so formal, right? You, we know your name's Donald, but we just call you Don because we're friends. Now, further than that, you might be married, and maybe your spouse has a special name for you, right? Uh, maybe it's sweetheart. Maybe it's honey or whatever. And you know that name only belongs to that person and, and to, to between those two people. Now, if you're a man, and you're married to your wife, and she calls you honey, I am not going to call you honey, okay? (laughs) Don't ask. Don't ask, right? Why? Because that is a special revelation between that man and wife, right? You're my sweetheart. You are honey to me. And that is a special name that only the two share back and forth. Names are important. And then we, well, at least I, you know, as I said, I don't normally associate this experience of the burning bush uh, and the revelation of I am with Christmas. I don't know, know about you. Maybe you've read your Bible many times and you come across this passage of the burning bush in the Old Testament, the book of Exodus, and you think, oh, a Christmas theme right here. I never have I never have until I started kind of studying some of the names of God and uh, but it was it's a powerful revelation, and I believe it belongs in our uh, understanding of what happened when Christ came to earth and uh, as we celebrate Christmas. Um, as I said, we don't normally associate I am with Christmas, but but there's a reason I think that we should. A prophecy of Isaiah, and if you've got your Bible, you can turn to Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. And we often hear this prophecy of Isaiah quoted at Christmas time. And, uh, and it had lists some of the names of this person that we know as Jesus. It lists some of the names that he would be known by. Some are future tense. Okay, we talked about that last Sunday a little bit, that, you know, the fact that he would be known as the Prince of Peace. We can certainly say that, you know, that when Jesus came to earth, peace has not broken out on the earth ever since, right? And uh, it's because it's not referring to the first advent, but it is referring to his second advent. And some of the names of God are uh, future tense or prophetic, The first name in this list is the one I want to kind of focus on, but Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, speaking of Jesus, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. Again, future reference there to a second advent. And his name will be called Wonderful. Now, some translators, there's some translators, Debate, I guess, among people who understand the Hebrew language. I am not one of those. Uh, but some of your Bibles will have a comma after wonderful. And then some of your Bibles will have wonderful counselor, comma after counselor. Now, I, uh, I don't know the various reasons for this, but I like wonderful to stand on its own. I like the comma after wonderful. And his name shall be called, will be called Wonderful. Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It's this name, Wonderful, that uh, is intriguing to me. Now, when we read the word wonderful, we kind of think of it as maybe an adjective. Oh, this is wonderful. You know, it's like maybe you had a piece of cheesecake or something like that, and you say, Oh, this is wonderful. Um, and, uh, and that's certainly one aspect of wonderful but it's not the Hebrew meaning or Hebrew understanding of the word uh, wonderful in Hebrew has all these shades of meaning with it it, it, it could mean miraculous uh, the thing that I think especially applies here is mysterious okay remarkable, secret, and great his name shall be mysterious. The mystery of the names of God wrapped up in I am. When God chose to reveal himself he chose to reveal himself as I am. Do you think there's a mystery involved in that name I am? I think there is. And, uh, <clears throat> and so his name shall be called Wonderful. Now in the Old Testament, uh, some an understanding we we need to have here is that Jesus is God. Okay, that may not be news to you. I hope that you understand and believe that that Jesus is God, always has been God, and when He was born in Bethlehem, when Jesus became carnate or in the flesh, and when He became incarnate and transferred from. From spirit being to flesh and blood, like you and I, it wasn't that, wasn't the point at which Jesus came into being. He has been uh, existent from eternity past and will be existent from eternity future. So sometimes we associate just the fact that, that Jesus was born in Bethlehem and that's when he came to be. No, he had been pre existed for, for eternity before Christmas, before his birth in the stable in Bethlehem. And so, understand, in the Old Testament, we don't see the name Jesus appear, although there are types and foreshadowings of him. Uh, His name, sometimes in in, uh, Hebrew, you hear the name Jesus referred to as Yeshua. Anybody ever hear of Yeshua? Yeshua is also the name for uh, Joseph, Okay. Um, And uh, uh, Joshua, I should say, I I mixed that up, I'm sorry. Um, It's also the name, Yeshua is also the name for Joshua. And and so uh, there's types and foreshadowing there. But um, most of the time that you see Jesus appear in the Old Testament, uh, it's under this title, Angel of the Lord. Now there's two kinds of angel of the Lord. There is the capital A angel of the Lord, which we believe refers to the pre-incarnate Jesus. And there's the small a angel of the Lord, which would maybe also refer to a messenger from God. But uh, the angel, capital A angel of the Lord, is the pre-incarnate or the pre-Bethlehem Jesus because he has always existed. You can read in Genesis, and it will talk about, and God said, let us make man in our image. All these plurals there. Uh, You'll see John, uh, who wrote the Gospel of John, opens in John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word. One of the names of Jesus is the Word. Okay? Okay? In the beginning was the word, and he was involved in the creation of the world. So it ties all of those things together. And Jesus uh, is seen many times, although you know, we don't identify him as Jesus because he wasn't born yet, so he wasn't Jesus in that sense yet, um, <clears throat> but as the angel of the Lord. And, uh, and so uh, Jesus was often on the scene, more far more often than I think we realize that's why you should be reading your Bible okay so that gives you something to look for you know when you open up your Bible is when it's capital a angel of the Lord you'll see Jesus there so if you don't have a Bible reading guide get one today okay and uh, make sure that uh, you get started on that I like to you know in December if you're going to start in January and just get a head start because you'll 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 need the catch-up days later and uh and so, you know, you can just go and don't worry about the one-year uh, idea if, unless you really want to make that a goal or whatever. But just keep reading your Bible. And you'll run into these incredible and wonderful things that, like what we're talking about today. So here, there's an important passage in Judges where it ties these two things together, this, this name, Wonderful and his name shall be Wonderful, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And the pre-incarnate angel of the Lord, okay? So uh, in the book of Judges, the angel of the Lord, capital A, identifies himself. Judges chapter 13 in verse 18. Now the context of this is uh, Jesus is having a a conversation with the father of Samson now here's triple extra credit Okay, if you know the name of Samson's father anybody know Samson's father his name is Manoah alright so triple credit if you get all three of those and uh, and so Manoah has been visited by the angel capital A angel of the Lord about the birth of of their son. Manoah and his wife will, will have a son and will name him Samson. And the special things about Samson is to be a Nazarite from birth. In other words, he will not, not touch any wine or, or alcoholic beverage, um, he will never cut his hair, and uh, other aspects that, that the angel of the Lord is talking to Manoah about. And the angel of the Lord is about to, about to depart. And uh, he asks him, so what is your name? Judges 13, 18. And the angel of the Lord said to him, why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? Now you just thought that, oh, it means it's really wonderful. Like, oh, that's wonderful. It's not what he's talking about. Seeing that it is mysterious. Seeing that it is something to wonder about. Seeing that it holds within it the identity of who I am. So all of this relates back to I am and we're going we're gonna to tie this together even more so. Is that Jesus is having a debate, I wouldn't call it conversations, more of a debate, with the Pharisees. The Pharisees are trying to figure out who Jesus is. And they are accusing Jesus of being an illegitimate son. They know that that Jesus was born of Mary, but not Joseph. Okay, He was not the natural son of Joseph but as we believe that he was born of a virgin named Mary. Now, the Pharisees also knew this, is that he was Mary's son, but he wasn't Joseph's son. And so they're accusing Jesus of being illegitimate. They didn't know who his father was because they didn't know his father. Didn't know his father was the Holy Spirit. And so they're accusing Jesus of being illegitimate, and uh, this argument is going on, and and Jesus challenges them and says, uh, Well, let's, let's read it here. Um, John chapter 8 and verse 58. And Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Blew their minds. <laughs> I am. There was only one who's named I am. And he spoke to Moses at the bush that did not burn. That's who I am is. And Jesus saying before Abraham was, I am. Interesting name. Now he said Abraham was, and that's what? Past tense, right? Before Abraham was, I am, present tense. What does that speak? speaks that jesus is eternal jesus is revealing that he is god just like i am the voice of i am came out of the bush that didn't consume or came out of the fire that did not consume the bush and revealed himself as i am has tell them i am has sent me to you jesus says i am and so their minds were blown, and they tried to stone Jesus and, uh, because they, His name was too wonderful to comprehend. His name shall be wonderful." You know, the beauty and mystery of this name of God, I am, reflects God's infinite nature. It was not It is not, "I was. And it is not ever I will be. It is I am. So much understanding in this, and I don't think we hardly ever scratch the surface of it. That means that Jesus is not subject to time. Jesus is not subject to time. He exists in the past. It's not like you and I. We can't go back into yesterday. Jesus is already there. Jesus is always in our past. Jesus is always in our present. We're okay with that. He's I am, so that means he's existing presently. But he's also I am of the future. And, and this, is, this is powerful for us is that Jesus is already in our future. He's not waiting for tomorrow to come, he is already in our tomorrows. Why? Because he is not subject to time. You and I are subject to time. When uh, my wife and I were able to celebrate our 35th anniversary here as the pastors of Kenai New Life Assembly here, um, and I think they projected it that Sunday on the screen, was a picture that I included with my resume uh, when I was inquiring about being the pastor of the church. And you know what? In that picture, there is nary a gray hair. In that picture. Even my mustache. Black is cold. I'm subject to time. I am subject to time like you are subject to time. But Jesus is not subject to time. He is I am. He is always in the perfect present. Now that, that tells us so much that God not only knows our past, he is our past, and He knows what's going on in our life right now, and He, right now is in your future preparing the way ahead of you. That's when we don't know what's going to happen in the future. We can take confidence in knowing that he is already there in our future. He's already preparing the way ahead of us. God is not surprised by anything that's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Sometimes we think we know. Sometimes we act like we know. But we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You ever wake up one day and not have... Uh, you know maybe have an idea what you think the day's going to be and it turns out entirely different yeah it never turns out out that way to God he always knows why because he's already been there and so brings me to my first point in this is that by his name I am he is becomes everything that we need Maybe we're sick in our body and we need a healer. What is God's name? I am. Say, Jesus, I need a healer. And his response is, I am. I am your healer. Say, Jesus, we don't have enough to make it to the end of the month, we need a provider. What is Jesus' name? I am. I am your provider. Jesus, I'm lonely. I need a a friend. I am your friend. Jesus, I'm in addiction. I need someone to restore my life. I am your restorer. I need a place to shelter. I am your shelter. I need forgiveness. I am the one who forgives you. I I found that this week in my own personal Bible reading, Psalm 99 uh, and verse uh, 8 of Psalm 99. It says, and you will be known as the God who forgives. It's one of his names. Jesus, I need forgiveness. I am your forgiveness. I need a comforter. I need encouragement. I am. I need help. I am. So the names of Jesus give us so much understanding of not only for what he is and can do today, but for what the future holds. We don't know the future. We don't know one minute from now what's going to happen. But God does. He's already there. He's a minute ahead of us. He's an hour ahead of us. He's a day ahead of us. He's the rest of our life ahead of us. Nothing escapes his knowledge or understanding. And so whatever it is that we need, God's answer is, I am. To the children of Israel, Israel needed a deliverer. Who sent Moses to the children of Israel? I am. I am your deliverer. And he's willing to do that for whatever need we might have today. We're going to close, not now, but I've got one more point. You wouldn't want to miss that, right? Um, But we're going to close, and the reason I say this now is I want you to think what do you need today? What do you need? How can God reveal himself to you with his name? It's only between you two. Say, God, I need... And you can fill in the blank. And his answer is, I am. I am everything that you need. My second thought is this... We mentioned this already but his names reveal his nature his, they reveal his attributes you know uh, the reason why God is God is because of his attributes and he shares his attributes with no one else the attributes of God just you, you know some of these perhaps he is omnipresent What does that mean? He is everywhere present at once. No one else, not Satan, not anybody shares that attribute. God alone is everywhere present at once. God is omniscient. God alone owns that attribute. He knows everything. There is nothing that he does not know. Doesn't share that attribute with anybody. He is omnipotent. He is all powerful. There is no one else that he shares that attribute with. He alone. That's why he is God. That's, those are just three of his attributes. But his names reveal more of his nature. He have you ever heard that he is the Lord of hosts? Have you ever heard that name of God? What does that mean? That's a host, is a old English name. It doesn't mean that, you know, he greets you at the door and takes your coat and, uh, you know, has you come in. Not that kind of host. He is the Lord of hosts. A host in in, uh, King James English is an army. So if you, you know, a host uh, to go to battle was an army that was going to battle. And he is the God of armies. And so it reveals something is that he is the mighty God. He is the God who brings victory in battle. He is the Lord of hosts. He is the everlasting father. His name is holy. And when we understand who God is by the revelation of his attributes, often through his names, It gives us confidence for our own future because he is for us and not against us. Not one of his names is against you. Not one of his names is uh, to destroy you. He is our mighty God. He is our defender. He is our protector. That is because of who he is. Uh, This is summed up one of his other attributes that, that he alone has, possesses is his immutability. What does that mean? He, God is immutable. That means he does not change. You know, that tells us a whole lot. Now, I, I pointed out in, my, in our nine o'clock service this morning is that we often sing a song, there's nothing that God can't do. And it's a great song. And I think it, I think it means well. And I sing it, I participate in it because it's got a catchy tune and I like it. But it's technically not true. I don't know if you know this. You know, we probably hear, and it's been said many times, there's nothing that God can't do. They even write songs about the fact that there's nothing that God can't do. And I'd say, not true. There's a lot of things that God cannot do. God cannot lie. <laughs> God, cannot be un- God cannot be unfaithful. God cannot change. Why can't He change? Because. The nature of perfection cannot change. If it's, if, if it's perfection, then if you add anything to it or take anything away from it, it is no longer perfect. And God is perfection. And so he cannot change. Otherwise, he would not be perfection. Something for you to think about there, okay. I don't know. Malachi chapter 6 and verse 3 says this, I am the Lord, I do not change. And that's good. Because <laughs> that means his promises are always true. He never will renege on what he has promised us. His name is Holy. Therefore, he is our Righteousness. That's what his name holy tells us. We who are sinful and corrupt can find in him forgiveness, redemption, and righteousness as his holiness becomes our holiness. Romans 8 verse 31 reminds us this. Is that What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Jesus came to earth as a baby in Bethlehem not to be against us, but be before us to take our place on the cross and to sacrifice himself in our place that we might become his righteousness. I don't know where and, and we're reminded often that holidays in general are very difficult times emotionally for a lot of people. And there's a lot of reasons for it. Some people are away from their families and uh, won't be home for Christmas and that brings Maybe some sorrow. Maybe we're experiencing the holidays without a loved one. Maybe who passed in the previous year and we're experiencing a holiday without them being there any longer. Or it's the dark time of the year. Just the environment, you know, causes us to withdraw and pull ourselves in. maybe not associate much. But that's where the name of Jesus, the I am can be whatever it is that you need. I need comfort. I am your comforter. I'm alone. I am the God who comes alongside. That's one of his names. I asked you a moment ago, whatever it is, what do you need today? And we're just gonna pray that I am visits you in a powerful way this season. So maybe you're thinking of a child that needs to come home. Or maybe you're thinking there's not going to be enough for Christmas. He's the God of the prodigal. He is the God who provides. And whatever it is that you need, he is I am.